Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. We kick off the afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time, as we do every afternoon with the call. One hour, 10 stocks reviewed by two experts. What a panel we have today. Andrew Page from Strawman. Andrew, good to see you. Good to How be things? here. Yes, How's good. your week been? Very good, very busy. Yeah, good. Busy is good. And the Strawman Classic. It's it's up and running. Running. We're Excellent. away. Excellent. Yes. Can't wait for an update on that to see how it's going. Yep. Uh, and also Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to see you. Thanks for How having me. The, good. Uh, the ad I saw, you're the new star of TV. <laughs> <laughs> let's okay, well, we'll, we'll, okay there. we'll cut him off now. I <laughs> uh, don't need any competition, folks. <laughs> but uh, it's a, a great concept, isn't it? Great competition. Yeah, I, so. I think it's just it's a bit of fun, but it's also a great yeah. way to get some experience. You know, yeah. get get your hands a bit dirty without any of the risk, and and maybe borrow a few ideas from people who are performing well. Yeah, so it's all about learning and uh, from other people, sort of almost building a a forum of ideas. Yep. Uh, too late to enter this first one. It but is, it is. We're almost certainly going to have more in the future. Oh, yeah. So it's a bit right. of a trial run, but yeah, if you've missed out this time, we'll have others. And by the way- And you, you can keep following it. You can keep following it and, and you can still create a portfolio on Strawman anyway. Yeah. You won't yeah, be in yeah. the competition, but you can still, you can still yeah, sort of play on exactly. the sidelines. So it's good. All right, before we get uh, stuck into your 10 stocks, I always choose a stock of the day, something that I think is of interest. And Templar Webster is um, um, a pretty common stock to come up here on the call. Um, and today it's already eclipsing its um, 2020 financial year performance in the first quarter of financial year 21. The online retailer recorded Q1 earnings of more than $8.5 million with contribution margins also ahead of its target. Um, Andrew Temple and Webster, the online retailer, homewares yes. retailer, has been one of the stars of COVID on the share market, hasn't it? It really has, and perhaps a little bit surprisingly. You would yep. expect with all the economic concern out there and job losses, this is a very discretionary kind of product. So yep. at first blush, you might think that they, they, these guys would have a bit of a, a tough time of it. But they have just gone from strength to strength. Um, uh, They've got this wonderful capital light model that we've often talked about as well. So there's a real sort of um, change from the traditional retail model, which is fantastic. Look at that. That, that was a crash mm. uh, in March of this year, um, down to a dollar fifty-seven. Not much of a crash when it came to Temple and Webster, and they weren't trading much. Look at them like twelve bucks. Do you know scaling issues? heal all wounds when yes. you look in retrospect if, if we were just to go sort of the 12 months to march that looked like a pretty scary yep. drop but in, in in the context of a broader horizon which would probably be a, a good um there's a good uh it's a good takeaway there i think for long-term yep. investors it, it looks almost inconsequential yeah um but yeah i mean what what an, what an amazing business um i haven't had time to digest the, the recent results but look as though they're just knocking it out of the park so this is one of one for me that really comes down to valuation 
Um, and that's really hard. Yeah. That, is, that, is, that is super hard because these kinds of businesses always look expensive. And, and we're also operating in a dynamic at the moment. Um, Howard Marks, the famous US investor who runs Oak Tree, had a great newsletter out recently talking about this low interest rate world. And yeah. investing is a relative game. So when you have like zero interest rates, very high prices are rational. So we're in this dynamic of extremely fast growth, um, very, very low uh, traditional discount rates, and it just makes it hard. So I think, I think for me, it's the, the idea here is really a focus on quality, yeah. not too much of a focus on value, but uh, this, this one seems to tick a lot of boxes. Okay. So yes, you buy it at 12 bucks. I haven't yet. I haven't yet because I, I just, I can't quite, I'm, I'm contradicting myself, <laughs> yeah, aren't I? I, I was I, about I, to pull I, you up on that going, you're spooked by the valuation. I, I am. And, and, and so we all suffer from these sort yeah, of bi behavioral yeah. biases. And, but I'm, I'm very close. I'm very close. Okay. Yeah. Not quite yet. Not quite. Okay. Uh, I'm spooked by the valuation. I think it's about 50 times yep. 2022's earnings. So that's not even next year's earnings. That's the year after. And that's yeah. quite expensive for what is a furniture retailer. Um, although it is online, you can probably nudge it up a bit in terms of valuation because of those, yeah. those um, scalability and those economics of those types of businesses. But there's no doubt it's expensive. Um, it's definitely ridden on the, the, the coattails of COVID in a positive way. I mean, everyone's been sitting at home or a lot of people out there have been sitting at home first forced to work from home so you might as well make the house look good while you're there yep. uh, and i think what you can see today from that big drop is the fact that management um, have come out and they're selling down a, a big chunk of shares and that always spooks the market right. we've seen in the past with, with kogan which is a, a similar like-for-like business yep. uh, we've seen it with promedicus which is a company we hold where management sell the market gets spooked after yep. a very big run-up maybe this is the top what a management know that we don't yeah i think there's a bit of merit in all of that um, can they maintain the same rates of growth that we've seen in the last six months going forward indefinitely? And it's probably highly unlikely. Um, they've seen wonderful revenue growth numbers, earnings growth numbers, uh, operational efficiencies improved, all those key things that you look for. But it is off a low base. I mean, their earnings are still around, I think, you know, $8 million or so. Yep. Um, revenue is obviously a bit higher than that. But looking at that chart, psychologically, it's very difficult to jump in like that. But there's all these other reasons, I think, backing it up as to why it's difficult to buy now. Okay. All right. Difficult to buy now. But uh, uh, gee, if you've been in it for a while, oh. well, would you you'd take some profits? I think so. At this, I think this so. level. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in letting your winners run. Right. But I think oh. sometimes there are exceptions to the rule. Oh. And if something's gone like a hockey stick chart, they've had very favourable conditions. We've seen Nick Scarly right. do very well in a yep. similar sort yep. of environment. There, is, is, oh, there are okay. reasons, I think, to be a little bit cautious. See, see I'm a bit more cautious than that. When I... I will sell to get my yeah. original investment back. Yeah, I'll go right. That's a, go. <laughs> that's a good way to do it. I much prefer to cut the losers, so to right. speak. Cut yeah, the losers no, early. Let I'm, the winners run. I'm bad at that. Yeah, I I tend to marry stocks more. Yeah. Than <laughs> all of us are. And the, the other consideration you have in there too is a portfolio management one. So when a stock does that, yeah. you know, no, you no, might no. have a five percent position, which is probably a pretty big position. And then it becomes 30% of your portfolio. Now, yeah. is that the kind of weighting yeah, you want really on something? Point, you, yeah. you, there's, there's that consideration too. Really good point. That's why investing's all individual mm -hmm. uh, and your own circumstances. All right. Um, let's get into our uh, first stock that Nick uh, has suggested and uh, a similar sort of one, but in the travel industry, Michael, yep. uh, Webjet, the Webjet. online travel business your airline tickets and accommodation? Yeah, this has been a wonderful for, uh, performer pr 
pre-COVID. Yep. Um, it's obviously well known for its online portal for booking your flights and accommodation. I think it's a bit broader than just yep. pure flights, but they also built a pretty decent business to business operation, which had started to sort of take shape and build a lot of momentum, but that all came crashing down with COVID. Yep. Um, they're probably more aligned to the international travel space, which is unlikely to come back as quickly as a domestic travel space. But in saying that, there'll probably be some compensation or a pickup in the amount of domestic travel that will normally flush through their books. So it's a bit of a, a tough one. If you're a, a deep value turnaround play, then potentially this could be an option for you. But I do think that immediately after things get back to normal, whenever that is, there will be a lot of competition, intense competition out there. It's almost as though the travel industry is all going back to the start line and there'll be a fresh start where they'll all be trying to build market share, capture customers, yeah. and they'll offer discounting, I think, potentially in that environment. So it'll be fiercely competitive margins will be questioned as you try and get back not only the customers that you had, but maybe pinch one or two of the other competitors' customers. So from mine, um, I, I believe that if things do get back to normal, there'll be a bounce in the share price. But again, the timeline on that, every time it looks like we're getting closer to international travel bubbles or Europe opening up or US opening up, that seems to be a long, long way away now. Yep. If we can't get the Victorian border open, <laughs> what chance are we gonna have to get, you know, get into Europe yep. or the US anytime soon? And given the numbers that they've got at the moment of COVID cases, I think it's still some time off. Okay. So, so they, they, might, they might burn through cash. That's what I'm saying. If this draws on, drags on long enough, they might have to come back to the market again, do another right. big capital raising, mm. and that would have to be at dilutive prices. And that's something that I'm cautious of. Okay. Yeah, excellent okay. points. I mean, first and foremost, an, an outstanding business. This is a real yep. Aussie yep. success story. The Webbeds yep. business is the number two in the world for business to business. It's grown. It's now the major part of their business. The online travel agent, web, Webjet website, is, is now a smaller part of their business. Yeah, right. wow. yeah it's, it's done incredibly well. There's a lot of great stuff to like about it. The business has grown its, its sales at 30% per annum on average between 2011 and 2019. It's just eye-watering growth. Profits up six-fold in that time. So anyone who bought shares <laughs> over that period has probably... Uh, compounded their wealth at about 25, 30% per annum. Right. Absolutely staggering, staggering returns. Yeah. And a good example of what I was saying earlier about not being too fussy on valuation for businesses that are hockey, that their the earnings are growing so so incredibly strongly. What this chart doesn't show you, though, Koshi, is, is the market capitalization of the business. It shows you the share price. When they did that big raise um, earlier on in the year at $1.70, the share count increased by about 150%. Whoa. So when you look at the number of shares times the current share price, it's actually about where it was at the start of the year. Yeah. So you, you have to. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, just it's just you know think about a, a pizza and how many slices you chop it up yeah. into. The pizza is the pizza. Whether so you to take out that dilution would be about eight to ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I, look, I think people are right. This is not going to zero. Absolutely not. No. This is absolutely going to come back. But Michael's 100% right. How long is that going to be? How much more dilution is going to happen in, in the short term? I mean, it feels as though this year has dragged forever. Yep. And we really don't have that much more certainty now than we, than we did in, in say, um, April. Um, so for me, for all of those reasons, it's just there's no rush on this kind of thing. I would rather miss out on some early upside, but invest with far more certainty. Okay. So a no for me. So, so that would be a sector-wide view as well. So yep. you just 
avoid the flight centres and the corporate travel and Sydney airports and Qantas and all of that sort of stuff. Auckland International Airport is one that we do hold, but that's right. an infrastructure that's sort a of property, property play, play as well. And that's a very long-term view and they've yeah. got the capital that will be able to get them yeah. through pretty easily. Yeah. See, Sydney Airport leases the land. Um, Auckland Airport owns yeah. the land mm-hmm. at Auckland and so they build the Ikeas and all yeah, that stuff right. on the land there. So it's a property play. All right, Nick, thank you for uh, that suggestion. Um, now, Andrew Jamie wants a view on Sandfire Resources, uh, a, um, uh, a little mining and, and gold company, one project in Western Australia, a few mm-hmm. base metal mines there as well. Yeah, copper largely as I understand yes. it. And um, I was pleasantly surprised when I had a look at this. These guys make money, um, <laughs> which is rare in this space. Um, and, and they actually pay a little bit of a dividend as well. And so they've actually um, uh, stand out for that reason. Having said that, shares have pretty much gone sideways, a bit of a, a broad channel there over the last five years or so. Um, sales and earnings have gone sideways, share price has gone sideways over that. They're now looking to undertake, um, having a quick squeeze at their, their most recent presentation, a bunch of development expansion kind of work as well, which will hopefully be good longer term, but there's a lot of capital got to be ploughed into the business and then over many, many, many years, hopefully recouped. Um, And we know a lot of the dynamics of the industry make that uh, far from a certain bet, Um, but it is is what you have to do because every day your mind gets worth a little bit less every time you take out any of the the ore. But balance sheet looks super strong. Uh, There's no debt. There's like $290 million in cash. And you're getting all of that for a PE of about 10. So it's not a space I plug in, um, but, but I have to say that if you're, if you're into that kind of space, there are, there are, there are far worse options out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So... Yeah, I don't often say yes that. Yes, a buy uh, or...? I wouldn't, no. 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 But no. If, if, that's, if that's your bag, then yeah, yeah I think you're you could do You're not big in resources. I, I like, I like to make money, Koshi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, those big gold companies, uh, listed gold stocks are doing all right at no, the moment. They, they have their, they have their moments. Yeah. They have their well, moments. Um, Michael, what do you think of Sandpire? Look, it's actually one of the few success stories out there. Yeah. That I know today's price has been going sideways for a while, but if you go back sort of 10 years or so, this is one that really had a mm-hmm. good quality asset, developed the mine and emerged as one of the big copper players along with sort of Oz Minerals yeah. in this country. I think Rio's got a fair bit as well. But um, look, would I buy Sandfire? Probably not. Um, the fact is that at the moment, there's a lot of expectation that demand for copper is going to go up because China demand is so strong at the moment. Um, they've run down their inventories in recent times, but now they're starting to restockpile again because the economy over there is improving. So that is a, a natural tailwind, you would think. Um, however, their core asset, which is one primary mine, is starting to get a little bit older. Yeah. Um, their production numbers, the name's always yeah, getting yeah. tongue twisted because yeah. they're just quite complicated. But, but um, effectively, it's getting older the mine, their production numbers are in decline. And right. because the, and once you go to the mine enough, the quality of the grade start to deplete. So your costs per unit starts to go up. So they've right. got uh, inferior quality coming out of that mine. Production numbers are falling and their costs are going up. So they've got problems at a company specific level yeah. uh, to more than offset the positivity that okay. might be emerging in the copper space. Okay. So it's a no for me. All right, okay. And there are a lot of good options in that gold mining space, aren't there? Well, yeah. I mean, did they? I think gold's pretty much just an off cut in many ways yeah. when it comes to copper. copper they and gold might, come yeah, together they come together, but they, yeah. I think they're primarily by a long way 
um, copper, a, a copper producer. producer. Okay. All right. Uh, our next suggestion is Will from uh, suggested Hanson Technologies for a look at uh, a technology business that probably you use at the moment because they um, actually do billing software for uh, electricity companies, gas companies, pay TV groups. They handle all the billing while those companies do what they do and pump out the electricity or or the um, uh, or the, the TV shows on Foxtel. They actually send you the bill and and get the money in. So uh, uh, some really big big customers. They're headquartered here in Australia, offices in North and South America, also uh, in Europe and Asia. Customers in in ninety countries. Um, so Michael, it's a it's a big organisation and a different one when you, you talk about technology. It's yeah, look, it's, it's a business that hasn't had much love and, and compared to tech businesses in recent times hasn't had mm. much love, did really well mm. going back a while. It looks pretty cheap relative to other tech businesses. And for that reason, it's actually one that we're looking at now. They had a very good result recently. Um, the problem with this company is because it's aligned so much to utility style businesses, utility companies don't often grow that quickly. So it's very difficult for uh. you to to generate the sorts of return on, on, on capital and revenue growth and earnings growth of many of your tech peers when your customers aren't growing their underlying businesses or their underlying earnings that quickly. But there, are, there is a lot to like about this company. They're integrated a acquisition called Sigma recently, which seems to be adding a lot of value to this company and starting to deliver quite well. COVID's actually forced them to get their costs down significantly. So the recent result was really, really good and the valuation is not too challenging. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a, a buy because we actually okay. have a few of our clients now easing their way into it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Uh, I'm a shareholder. Yeah. I have, oh. I have, been, I have <laughs> been for a while. I got like a six and a half percent weight. So, so, so were you sitting there thinking, Oh, please say something. Jeez, nice. I hope Michael likes <laughs> <that>. Otherwise. <laughs> I respect his opinion. Yeah. I respect his opinion greatly, and and I'm going to echo a lot yeah. of that kind of stuff. Right. So it is it is a fantastic business. There was an incredible opportunity recently to, to buy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got a lot of stuff on Strawman. If you want to want to see the details and the and the valuations and stuff there, but um, what's interesting about this business is that uh, because the organic growth is so slow, this is entirely a growth by acquisition kind right. of story which normally sends shivers down your spine because acquisitions don't always work out that well. At least they're not pure, they're not value accretive from so a shareholder perspective. Acquiring other companies or acquiring more customers? Uh, acquiring other companies to get other customers. Right, yes. Okay, right, yep. okay. and, and they've but, but they have done that for a long, long, long time yeah. and it has always worked out well on a per share mm, basis okay. so far, um, including Sigma, which was a massive acquisition. Early days on that, but it, but it looks really encouraging. Um, the the kind of product that they have is so sticky. We talk about sticky software product. Right. You know, they these utilities aren't even if they're doing it really tough. They're not going to say, you know what? Let's not let's not bother with our billing software this yeah. month. You have to have it, right? Yeah. And, and even if you say and they don't want the job of doing it themselves, they don't do want. They can't build this. Stuff. <laughs> no, you know, it's so. And then if you say, well, actually, you know, competitor X has a better product. You know, anyone who's been through a, a, a technology transition, it is. It is a spinal transplant. Yeah. You know, you do it only if you absolutely have to do it. So it, it is it is a great stock for the bottom drawer. I do I think know. it's about fairly priced now, so it wasn't okay. the, it's not the bargain that it was. Yeah. But for me, as I say, bottom drawer stock. I'll, I look forward to holding this for, for decades to come. Founder founder uh, 
yep. run. Yeah. Um, family, the Hanson family has huge amount of shares in the business, very, oh. very well aligned. Okay. Uh, so I like how, it. How long have you been in it? Oh, three years or something oh, like that. Okay. Yeah, All yeah. Right. And and and, and buying opportunistically as as the market, as it so often does, freaks out about mm. very short term considerations okay. when there's nothing structurally wrong with the long term view of the business. Company that delivers to shareholders. It delivers to shareholders because because the people running it are, are massive shareholders. Yeah. Skin in the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, um, our next stock, uh, Alan wants a view, uh, Andrew, on Lee Creek Energy, um, a little sort of emerging ga gas company that's tapping mm. into to Lee Creek in South Australia, which is the big coal mining, or the old brown coal, I think it was, also brown, brown oh. coal mining region, Lee Creek. Might be. Back in the old days. Yeah. Uh, it's a lottery ticket. You know, it, 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 they've never made any money. They've, they've got this huge project that they're looking to build. Um, we don't know what the economics are going to be like exactly. I mean, look at that chart. It's hyper-illiquid. Um, it's going to be very hard to get in or out um, in any meaningful way. I had a quick look at their cash flow statement. Um, they're burning through about $1.2 million every quarter, and they've got about $5 million of cash in, 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 on, in the bank. So um, they're going to be almost certainly um, tapping shareholders, I would imagine, or raising yep. debt at, at some stage in the future. So it's really easy to put the boot into this. Statistically, it's not going to go well, but if it does, you know, it, it, this is going to look like the deal of the century, and these yep. shareholders are going to make a fortune. But just remember that that lottery ticket analogy. Okay. The, the statistically, it's probably not. Right. So if you want to have a bit of a flutter, okay. So it's not not investment grade, but if you like. Only invest with money you're prepared to lose. Right. Okay. Which, which is not really how you invest. And and I suppose, Michael, if you want to if you want to get into gas. We have a lot of other really good ga well, gas yeah, producers, yeah, don't we? There's one with better chances of success, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and to Andrew's point, this is a serial capital raiser. They just did one recently. They raised capital, and often at a big discount, you know, 20%, 30% discount to market price. So you've got to just be willing, if you're going to invest in this, to continue to pile money to, into the company for, for years to come, really, uh, as they look to develop this project. So this sort of opportunity isn't even really aligned to the oil price really that's how early stage it is yeah. it's only a yeah. 60 mil market cap even if the oil price rallies very strongly from here and recovers a bit of the, of the lost gains it's this company may or may not benefit from that who knows because by the time their operations up and running it'll be another cycle and it could be you know three four five years down the track and right. anyone's guess as to what the market looks like at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I say, we have really big oil and gas companies That's that right. produce and yeah. produce dividends, and yeah. there are easier ways to make money um, than uh, than in Lee Creek Energy at the moment. Um, thank you for that suggestion, Alan. Our next company up for grabs, um, Michael, is John Ling Group. Um, this has a bit of a following, actually. It's come up a yeah. few times on the call. It's a it's a building services company, but specialises um, in insurance uh, building, if you like. You know, if your house blows down the storm and the insurance company gets the builder to come and rebuild it or rectify it or do whatever, um, yeah. these guys specialise in those insurance claim building projects, don't they? Yeah, they managed to carve out a great niche for themselves really in restoration nation. works as yeah. well. Um, so I think that makes up, along with the insurance work, about 85% of their business. Uh, the rest comes from commercial fit-outs and, and stuff like that, which in this environment wouldn't be doing necessarily too well. But they've updated the market a couple of times since COVID's been underway. And, and essentially, they've indicated on 
each occasion how their business is unaffected by what's going on because they have such a sticky customer base and they've got these yeah. arrangements in, in place. It, it's a well-run business. Um, again, founder led and directors own a big chunk of the yeah, Victoria, company. Aren't they based in I Victoria, think so. I think, yeah, I think so. And they've yep. proven themselves to be pretty decent allocators of capital over time. They've acquired a couple of businesses, integrated them quite nicely. So not only have they grown organically and through their little niche market, but they've grown through acquisition, which is a, a good sign. So look, it's probably a company I still don't know enough about just because it is still quite, quite small, still emerging fairly well. But look, it, it seems to tick a lot of the right boxes, but the balance sheet is a little bit lumpy, a little bit messy because of a lot of that acquisitive stuff that they've been doing. Right, okay. So would you be interested I'm a, in I'll Look, I'm a sell for now. I'm not a right. sell, I'm a hold, oh, but I'm not a buy. Right. Okay, um, all right. I need to do some more work and understand yep. a bit, a little bit more about the length of these contracts. Are they guaranteed to receive the work ongoing yep. from these insurance companies, etc., before making an uh, making a, a determination? Because if they, you know, relying on one or two insurers, what happens if that insurer pulls the pulls cord? The yep. Yeah, I'm going to agree with all that as well. I need to do a lot more work on it, but definitely looks very interesting. Um, in fact, this business was started in Melbourne in 1953. So it's mm. been around for a long, long yeah. time, although it's only been listed since 2018. Um, they've done very well in that time. What makes this challenging is that there's sort of two components to the work they do. They have what they call business as usual kind of work, and then they have work that's associated with uh, catastrophe. So if a, a cyclone comes through or a flood and all that, yeah. which is you know, a bit of schadenfreude, great for them. You know, when that, when that happens, they get a lot more work. But but we can't predict the best analysts in the world, the best smartest minds in the world don't know when the next flood, the next you know, cyclone, the next uh, hailstorm is, is going to come through. So they're going to have years where they just cream it because of all this catastrophe work that comes through. Um, they actually, last year was a bit like that. They had, they mm, had some, yeah. a good amount of work come through from that. So this year they've sort of said, look, we expect a result that's pretty much flat because they're not baking in as much of that kind of work. But on the business as usual stuff, there's about a 20% uplift in, in mm. the uh, operating profit that they're expecting. So this necessarily has to be something that you take a multi, multi-year view on yeah. because you just don't know what's going to happen on that front. But as Michael said, I think there's, there's enough here to make it look very, very interesting. And um, it, it's on my watch list. But it's not a buy only because I don't understand it well enough. Yeah. Okay. But... Uh, as you say, been going a long time. A long time, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and good founders. Yep. All right, let's uh, uh, check the uh, the first five stocks plus our stock of the day. Templar Web, so uh, our stock of the day, a no from both Andrew and Michael. Uh, Webjet, a uh, no. Samfire Resources, a no. Hanson Technologies, a yes. At um, at these levels, fairly priced. Um, and declare Andrew's been. Uh, a shareholder for three or four years, lo yep. lo loves the company <laughs> because they deliver to shareholders, which is what you want. Yep. Uh, Lee Creek Energy, um, I know plenty of other oil and gas companies in Australia that um, have a better track record than that. And John Ling, um, the guys are going to uh, do a bit more digging into it, but um, looks okay. Um, so if you want to um, check out the call, of course, it uh, runs its own portfolio. Um, if you want to check out what's in it, you can go to osbiz.co slash portfolio. Any stock that gets two stick, uh, two ticks uh, goes into the portfolio today. Uh, Hanson Technologies goes into that portfolio and um, Webjet comes out because it was already in the calls, 
the calls portfolio, came back up to the experts again. They said no, so it goes out of the portfolio. Um, let's take a look at how it's been going. The calls portfolio for the last week, it's up uh, almost 1.5% for the month, 7.25% and 18.5% since the 1st of July. Um, so that's not bad going. And uh, some of the stocks recently added to the portfolio, Rio Tinto, Navigator, Global Investments, uh, Mincor Resources, EML Payments, uh, Megaport, and today Hanson Technologies. Uh, Amcor Cleanaway and Macquarie Telecom were taken out, as is Webjet. You can check all the stocks in uh, on the website, osbiz.co slash portfolio. We'll keep tracking it. Um, and coming up this afternoon, we speak to the uh, Chief Executive of MedTech, Actinogen, is it? Actinogen Medical? Uh, Bill Kettleby. Uh, this is the company uh, raising $6 million to begin uh, phase two trials on its Alzheimer's and Fragile X drugs. Uh, that's from 1 p.m. right here on Ausbiz. Uh, let's get into the, uh, the second half of the stocks, the final five. Uh, Soto wants a view on Max7 Technologies, Andrew. This is uh, uh, a tech business, but um, um, uh, targeted towards the, the, the medical advice area that stores up uh, diagnostic imaging for uh, for doctors and hospitals and things like yeah, that. So yep. they're um, easily to pull out for patients. It, it's all about these sort of vendor neutral archives. Um, Michael mentioned ProMedicus before, so yep. these are essentially a competitor to them, although there are there are differences. Um, it actually ranks pretty well on Strawman. It's about 46 um, which doesn't sound that high, but there's 2,000 stocks out there. So, you know, it's, it's yep. definitely up, up, up towards the top. Uh, and according to the, the backers that we have, it's, it's about 10% undervalued. Um, they had a really great result recently. Revenue doubled. They had uh, their first since listing uh, profit and free cash flow as well, mm. which is what you love to see as companies pass that inflection point. They're no longer reliant on the capital markets to fund their growth. Um, and because it's a software company too, you get a bit of nice operating leverage if, if you can maintain your costs while, while growing that top line, which is, which is always really, really nice. Um, unfortunately though, like so many in this space, uh, it, is, it is very expensive. Yep. Uh, on relative to, it, we haven't had a, a full year of, of profit yet, but uh, relative to its uh, sales, I believe it's on about 13 times. Um, so that's, that is getting up there. 13 times sales. 13 so times of sales, right. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so if, if you are into this kind of company and, and you're basing your thesis, as you probably should really, on how this thing looks in five to 10 years, I think you've got to be prepared to sort of allow some water to go under the bridge for it to deliver. It's a huge market opportunity. There's no doubt about it. There's a big structural shift underway in terms of how we store and share and manage all of these files. These files are massive. It's not a yeah. PDF you're sending. It is terabytes and terabytes of data. and. Um, and companies like Mark 7 and Prometicus are really at the forefront yeah. there. So it's, it's exciting. Um, so for me, no at the moment, just, right. just a bit too pricey. And, and I'm, I'm a personal um, shareholder in Prometicus. Uh, right. so, so that's where so my allegiance is. So you prefer Prometicus? I, I do, I do, yeah. Right. Michael. Look, it ticks a lot of the boxes in terms of the buzzwords of the day, you know, healthcare, technology. Um, it, it's done really well in, in delivering its first sort of positive numbers in, in many respects. Um, but it's hard to, to get excited on these valuations and I'd much prefer to go for an incumbent or a larger right. business that's a bit further down the business cycle than they are. 
Um, but there's a lot to like about the company and certainly one to keep an eye on. Uh, effectively, it just helps diagnosis of patients. It, it helps reduce the costs of, of looking after and monitoring that patient and then just leads to better outcomes in general. That, that's the, the software and who's yeah. not to like that. It's just a matter of getting in front of people now, um, selling the software to the, the right clinicians or hospitals or whatever it may be. Uh, and, but over time, things should take shape quite nicely. But at the moment, everyone's seen the ProMedica story yep. and is potentially embedding some of that success into this price, hence the, the lofty valuations. Yeah, yeah, they're seeing it as a baby ProMedica, That's right. if you like. So ProMedica is around $37, $33 at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, taken off a bit in the recent weeks. Still on a, on a PE of 150 that's right. As well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actual earnings, I suppose. It was on a P of infinity when I bought yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. So it's, it's come down a lot. Well, they, they weren't making money, any money until right. recently. Yeah. And they built basically the software. And that's all about the commercialization phase. You've got to yeah. start winning contracts. And now ProMedicus are winning not only contracts, but they're winning bigger and bigger contracts. Right. And I think that's the impressive so part. So stick about to it. the market leader. I think so in for this now. regard. Okay. All right, another tech business. Sally wants a view on Michael. This is ordinate, but not in uh, in imaging technology. This is sound technology. They ha have a, a thing called Dante is their technology, which um, basically every major sound sort of or yeah. uh, concert, uh, anything to do with music uses this, and um, it it converts sound from video yeah. so you can hear it. It's so basically, it takes. Um, analog. It's, a it's a global standard. Yeah, it's, it's probably my favourite company at the moment. And, and don't oh. take that as a, a go and buy it today sort of thing. Because well, that sounds <laughs> my favourite company at the moment. It sounds like go and buy it. Well, often, <laughs> often what you think is going to be your best performer never turns out to be. It's something that you thought less of. But, but this is a, a great business that took a little bit of a hiccup through the COVID period because, as you mentioned, um, live sound events, sporting events, everything like that were, were called off. Yep. Uh, however, they've seen a pickup in things like higher education, which is picking up the slack somewhat. They had an update a couple of days ago, or maybe even a week ago or so now, uh, which indicated that the worst of COVID is behind them. Their sales mm. backlog has now become more plump again. The, 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 you know, yep. if you know what I mean, they've become full again. Um, the numbers and sales were far greater in the last quarter than many expected. And essentially, it takes an analog um, audio situation with lots of chords and, and turns it into a digital situation. Yeah. So effectively, they insert a microchip into audio hardware and then they include a piece of software and that allows any piece of audio equipment to communicate with itself without the need for all those cores. Everything's connected mm. through Ethernet as opposed to the traditional way right. of linking things up. So effectively, they're embedded in audio products. So Yamaha, for instance, will have a discussion with Ordinate or about their Dante product, they will get embedded. And there's a bit of a lag in terms of the sales process because there's a product development. And then ultimately what will happen is it'll then get included into new sales and new products going forward. Oh. In many ways, you can liken it to something like Bluetooth. Mm. Um, Bluetooth isn't a company, however, it's owned by a cooperative and a non-for-profit situation. Whereas Ordinate is effectively like Bluetooth, but a company. Yeah, yeah. So. It really, it's growing five times faster than the nearest competitors. It's being used in a lot of the products that are out there. So for mine, it's a, a strong buy. It hasn't had the run that many of other tech businesses had in the last six, six months or so because of some of those setbacks brought on by COVID. But if you take a five, 10 year view, uh, I think this really could mm. be something okay. exceptional. 
Andrew? Yeah, we well, got to stop putting us on together. Um, <laughs> we're just too. Oh, you're invested in it. I'm, I'm not. All right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Only because I'm an idiot and I have this, this this horrible anchoring on what I could have, should have, would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got to get past that. But uh, the, the, when you look at the history of markets and 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 companies, the one the the people who do really well are people who invest around what you might call a structural shift in the industry. So when we went from print media to online, we had the advent of you know, Facebook and go, wow, look at all the money that was made there. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a million examples. Um, Prometic is another example too, in fact, is, is, is they go from different types of storage and, and transfer to, to what they've got now. Dante is doing exactly this. Yeah. They are the global leader and it's a 400 million something dollar market. And they've got this wonderful network effect as well. When all of the gear is Dante enabled, I mean, yeah. that means you're going to use Dante, right? Yep. Um, and so it's had these lovely self-reinforcing cycles. So um, it was interesting. They did a capital raise recently, and which really came as a surprise to me because they had a really solid balance yeah. sheet as well. Um, so maybe, maybe a, a acquisition or something on the cards. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, uh, it's ranked really well on Strawman. It's number 22. Our members, uh, as a uh, as a consensus, as an average, see it as it's still 11% undervalued. So despite my um, silly anchoring bias, I'm going to back Michael on this and say, yeah, it's a buy. Okay. <laughs> uh, are they on the acquisition track? Possibly, um, possibly. I mean, they're moving in from they're moving from audio digital into the the visual space, mm. and they're wow. building out that product. And I think they're expected to start seeing some revenue flow through right. from the mm. visual space in 2021. So it could well be something to do with that. Maybe they just wanted to have enough cash on their balance sheet to make sure they got through the worst of it. Yeah. But in many ways, it's an unregulated monopoly at this point, yeah. which yeah, is something yeah. I think you probably want to be nice. aligned to. And there to. seems to be no contender to take well, over. Well, at the moment. But, but things change over time, you know. Yeah. That's that's one thing to keep aware of. But at the moment, it doesn't look like okay. it. One thing, that's, sorry, very quickly, that's, that's always nice is when you get the... You know, we, none of us are audio engineers, so yeah. I'm pretty fair to say <laughs> that none of us have used the product before. But it was interesting on Strawman, we saw a couple of people who are audio technicians say, oh, I've been using this for years. I love it. It doesn't touch... The, the competitors don't come close. So when you see people at the front line giving those kinds of endorsements, I yeah. see it as a really, really strong signal. Yeah. And our tech guys do here as well. Oh, we, we use... <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, so it, 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 anyone in, in broadcast uses this. Yes, yeah, so I'm just looking at the stats here. So in the last 12 months or so, this might have been a year old already, but in terms of the number of products in the market using Dante, it went up from 58% to over 71% wow, now. Wow. So, And that's only increasing, right? So out that's of all the new products market. that are coming out in terms of this in this space, they're embedded in most of them, yeah. the vast majority most, yeah. of them now. Winner right. take all market. Yep. All right. Um, Andrew will want a uh, view on iCollege Limited. They're a registered training organisation that, um, in that vocational education training solutions type product, not only here but overseas, and um, also in that international student recruitment agency it has as well. Seems to be a, a mini IDP, is it? I, well, I hadn't heard of it until no, this morning. And I, and I was reading it and thought, is this IDP, um, which is the one owned mainly by a big universities, which is worth billions of dollars? It's big business, very yeah, big yeah. business. And so I saw that, and then I saw um, international students. And I thought, oh, wow, that's, yeah. Yeah. that has got to be really, really bad. Um, interestingly, though, and again, a lot more work needs to be done on this, they've actually, the markets, as you can see, has performed really, really well because they've actually been able to 
um, keep a lot of that going with people in their home countries doing studies online oh. with, with the expectation that they'll complete their coursework when borders finally open yeah. up. They've also had some really interesting pivots, or not so much pivots, but expansions as well. So they signed a partnership with the Pharmacy Guild to do uh, COVID training for a lot of their pharmacists uh, yeah. as well, um, which, was, which was really nice. So they've got this, they've got a good um, campus network and, and it seems a, a reasonable online uh, infrastructure as well. So they can bring more and more courses um, online and that, that another sort yep. of uh, lever of growth, if you will. So um, if you annualize the most recent quarter, it's on about four times sales. Um, uh, generally, I'm not a huge fan of services-oriented businesses, yep. um, but it's, it's, I'm gonna say no purely because I just, I just have not done the due diligence okay. on this, but I, I, can, I can see why Will's, it's caught his attention. Okay, Michael? Um, this is more of a, a training organization, whereas IDP does the English language testing and then student yeah. placement. Um, so uh, these into, into, into universities. That's, that's right. why IDP is so expensive because you've got to do their IDP course, which is owned by the universities, <laughs> to get into the universities. Yeah, it's, it's a great deal. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we like IDP <laughs> oh, I for do. a while. Um, <laughs> this particular business I wasn't familiar with. It's very yeah. small. It, it does produce decent revenue numbers, but never delivered a profit, um, which is interesting. I'm not sure as to why. Um, they seem to be offsetting the negativity of no international students by bolstering up the domestic student intake. Um, however, it's not a business I know enough about, yeah. um, so it's difficult to give a, a concrete buy or sell or anything of the sort. So for mine, I'll just be sitting and watching. Um, obviously, yeah. I think the international students is a big kicker for them. So once we start seeing those numbers come back, that's a positive. But it's also around whether or not they're able to engage with their international students onli um, online. So one of the big things with IDP was everyone was freaking out that they're gonna lose all their international students, but what all ended up happening was they just bolted, bolstered their digital presence, right. um, reduced their reliance on physical stores or, or shop fronts, and they did very well off the back of moving into the digital space because obviously costs were, were yep. so much lower. So there are some ways around it all, but I just don't know enough about this particular company. Okay, all right. Uh, thank you for that question though, but one that we'll be, uh, we'll be watching, Will. Uh, Raju um, wants a view on Change Financial. It's a, um, a US-focused fintech company developing uh, payments technology for uh, businesses and financial institutions, building a MasterCard um, enterprise payment system and card processor. Um, who does that? EML does that too. Does yeah, that? yeah, I think so. And, sort of and then also um, there's Tyro as well. Tyro, that's right. That's one. what I was thinking of, Tyro. Um, uh, what do you think, Michael? Of, but looks as though they're just doing it in the US and not here. Yeah, so this used to be called Chimp Change, and it was a mechanism for millennials to get access to fee-free banking, yep. um, helping them with their budgeting as well, stuff like that. And they, they, they built a pretty decent name for themselves as far as I'm aware. But it's, again, it's not a company I have an enormous amount of knowledge about. I think they're looking to broaden their audience or, or their customer base from stopping reliance on just millennials to, to sort of everyone. Uh, they're engaged, I think, with MasterCard as well, doing yeah. some work with them in terms of building this new payments platform. Um, they've acquired a business recently that was distressed and um, basically in administration for about 0.5 times revenue, which appeared to be a very good purchase. And I think that's what's renewed interest in this particular right. share price because they appear to have got a very good deal for, for not much. So, look, again, 
it's not one I know, it's not one I'm familiar with, and that way I'm not comfortable to give it a buy. Yeah, it's sort of a horrible five-year chart too, isn't it? Yeah. When we consider it got up to... I think we, when it listed, I think there was a lot of fanfare about it, ah, right. and everyone was using it, and all everyone's kids and stuff, delivered. but it hasn't really delivered. Okay, Andrew? Yeah, it's just, it's too early stage, it's too speculative, so yeah. you, you, you can't say, it, it's silly to sort of say, yeah, these guys are definitely going to be great, but it's equally silly to say it's definitely going to be bad, it's just, it's too yeah. hard, and really I think that the most important job you have as an investor is saying no, yeah. and you should be saying no most of the time. And I saw also, you know, I'm not a very bright guy, so there's a lot of stuff that goes in my too hard basket. And you, you read some of these presentations and there's a lot of buzzwords and there's a lot of terms. Yeah. And I honestly, I had a quick look this morning. It's like, I don't, I can, I can sort of give a high level description as to what they say they do, but I could yeah. not explain it to my 12 year old what they do yeah. in, in broad terms. And I think that's a really good litmus test. If you can't explain it in simple, plain English, you know, what do they do? What problem are they solving? Yeah. Who else is doing this? I suspect that this neo bank, you know, online payments. Well, I don't suspect. I know for a fact that there are phenomenally large, well-resourced global players in this space. Yeah. So they're either going for a very, very narrow niche that no one else is looking at, or they've just somehow done better than all of the the, the biggest, best, brightest, well-funded companies on the planet. And that is possible, but I don't know. So, yeah. so for me, too hard, yeah. and that means no. And that, that's a really good point. You make too. Uh, um, you're in the business to make money, and as we talk about on the call here, you know, you look at, you know, is is investing in handsome technology an easier way to make money? Easier well, than like this one. Yeah. Yeah. Is investing in Ordinate an easier way to make money? Um, with a proven track record. That's what you've got to do as an investor. I often get a bit of grief too, but people will, members will say, oh, you were a bit negative on this company. And it's not a question of saying that, you know, it's not, Life is very complex, and it's not yeah. a matter of saying, oh, this is great and this is terrible. There's yeah. a lot of really decent companies out there that I wouldn't touch with a bunch pole, only because there just happens to be a couple dozen companies that are far superior. They're still wonderful businesses. Yeah. Yeah. They'll still be around for decades to yeah. come. But, but I, I'm, we're in the business of being playing. You, you can't play favorites with your kids. You can play favorites with your stocks. Yeah. You can only pick 20 or 30 exactly. if you, you know, and there's a lot of out there. So you want to make yeah. sure that if you're going to put something into your portfolio, it's yeah. taking something else out, which is... And, uh, but there's, uh, you've got to have that mix too, don't you? And depending on who you yeah. are, your situation. So you, you build your, your rock solid 30% your, your or 40% yeah. core that you just, you know, Hanson, yeah. if, if it's 6% of your portfolio and you've had it for three years, mm. you're seeing that as being a core wealth builder in your portfolio and then you build on top of that, don't you? Yeah, and, and that's, I think, what you, the point you're making is you need to weight positions yeah. depending on your conviction, depending on their volatility, depending on their potential risk. All these things need to go into yeah. it. And you don't just put the same amount into every business. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, um, and our final stock from Emmanuel. Uh, Andrew, he wants a view on Auto Sports Group. They, um, they sell new and used cars hasn't been listed for for that long mm. and it was um i think a fan again a, a family company that was listed on the market um they're in servicing collision repair 42 franchise dealerships um tend to go at that uh, prestige and luxury end of the market, don't they? Yes, so I'm not, again, a company that, that was new to me, you would have seen from the chart before, it's obviously pretty liquid, yeah. so it's gonna make yeah. it hard to get in and out, and that's gonna exaggerate the volatility um, a fair bit as well. But a quick glance, there's that, you always love to see that, 
that staircase chart of, of earnings and, and mm. revenue rising, and that seems to have been the case. They have, they have definitely taken a hit with, with COVID. Um, interestingly enough, I saw something the other day with uh, used car sales doing really, really well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess that's, a, that's a, Huge. A, a positive for them. Not, not only just sales, but used car prices yes, have been yeah, rising really. strongly, not only here, but in the United States as well. Yeah. And usually used car prices are, are pretty steady or, or decline. But um, I think all the theory that's been given to me is people are... Uh, who had got rid of the second car to use public transport more are saying, oh, in this yeah. pandemic, I might buy the second car back and yeah. uh, reduce my reliance. I love on these kind of scenarios where you, the, something happens and it's really unexpected and, yeah. and we can retrospectively explain it and nod our heads and go, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one called this beforehand. Yeah, yeah. This is so <laughs> unexpected. And it's just it's a good reminder of, of just yeah. how, how complex um, um, life is. But, yeah, with these guys... Um, Ah, oh, geez, I, the margins on this are razor thin. You're looking at a 1.2% yeah. operating margin here. So what that means is that sales only have to sort of fall a little bit. And, and you, you kind of, that, that's, what, that's why even though sales were more or less flat in the last year, earnings took a big uh, uh, hit there. They, sorry, sales came down about 1%, earnings came down a lot yeah. more than that kind of stuff. Car businesses are a little bit different. So you look at the balance sheet and there's a lot of debt that's on there, but they have this thing called floor plan financing, um, which we don't have time yeah. to go into, but no. it's a bit different to, you know, you, you're not yeah. left holding the bad kind of yeah. thing. So there's a lot of nuance with this business. And again, I put that in the category I, I was talking about before. It seems interesting enough, but it's not nearly good enough for me. Yeah. So it's enough. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting because it's never heard of it, um, but they basically have a lot of prestige um, franchises um, mm. and what's been interesting is new car sales have been down for 30 consecutive months I think new car sales fell 24% in the last quarter but luxury cars only fell 1% so luxury cars have actually been doing relatively well used cars as we touched upon have been doing well and then some of certain brands have been doing extremely well better than others so I'm not sure what it is what's been sort of said to me is people aren't going on their big European holiday so they're going to buy a nice car so they can drive around in yeah. pleasure, so to speak. Isn't it also telling of our yeah, society? That's the, right. the wealth, you know, there's the, the top end of town, <laughs> we're doing okay. Yeah. The bottom end of town, we're not doing okay. There's a very big yeah. division yeah. there. Yeah. I think you usually spend 30 or 40 grand a year on overseas holiday. Uh, yeah. Can't go to Aspen this year, yeah. so I'll buy another Audi. Or, yeah, so I think, look, so they've been doing actually really well. They've acquired some, um, some other car yards, if you like, in recent yeah. times as well. They do have some repair maintenance um, and aftermarket parts businesses as well which have been doing okay through this period so if you are into this sort of company then they probably are best of breed so to speak but yeah. it's it's hard to pick it can be quite lumpy margins are small what's in fashion today might not be so good going forward um, so yeah it's hard to sort of know if this is sustainable long term the success they're having at the yeah. moment and again in the sector in this car sector yeah. you've got Car sales, you'd, you'd probably chuck in ARB yeah. or um, Badcorp or AP Eagers. AP Eagers, Nicolaitis or something has yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Are, they, are they better options than this? Is yeah. what you've got to That's right. Babcorp had a really good announcement recently. Yeah. I thought they Who were Babcorp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know. Really so good. That, and ARB as well. Uh, totally. Yeah. Um, which anyone who has a four wheel drive and has pimped it 
uh, go anywhere, <laughs> you'll be buying ARB. That's yeah. why they're doing so well. Um, thank you for that suggestion, Emmanuel, on uh, Auto Sports. Let's uh, recap the final five stocks um, at the moment. Max 7 uh, Technology. Um, the guys know they prefer ProMedicus, which is the market leader in, in that area. Uh, Ordinate, a yes from both. Um, iCollege, um, doing a bit more work into it, put it on the watch list, interesting business. Uh, Change Financial, very speculative, so a no for the guys. And Autosports is uh, a no as well. So from today, uh, we've got Webjet going out of the call, call uh, portfolio. In is going Handsome Technology and Ordinate. Um, Andrew Page, good to see you from Strawman. Thanks, Look Koshy. forward to the first update. When's the first update? Uh, the, we're, um, we're going to go to air tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Thursday, I think around 1 p.m. Thursday at 1 p.m. straight after the call if you want to look at the analysis of what the competitive, the uh, investing competition yep. is doing, which is great. Uh, Michael Wayne from Modadian Financial. Oh, it's good to see you, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Another good week. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Good week for the share market too. Isn't good it? week it's for the Ausbiz share portfolio. Yeah. Very good. Good, yeah. good yeah. couple of months. <laughs> well, if you well, don't forget, if you want to go and see what's in it, you can go onto the website to have a look. Um, if you want any stocks for us to cover, um, email the call at ausbiz.com.au and uh, tweet us using the Ausbiz TV handle. Uh, don't forget that call portfolio, ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything that's happened in the markets and all of the business news and news in startups during the day, uh, subscribe to the COB. Close of business newsletter. Nadine and Scuddy will get it in your inbox by 5.30 every afternoon Eastern. Uh, subscribe at osbiz.co slash join. And um, on the Startup Daily show between um, at 2 and 3 p.m., the Chief Executive WWF Australia, Dermot O'Gorman, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, foundation is launching a $3 million innovation challenge to inspire bold solutions to repair nature here in Australia. It's coming up on the Startup Daily Show. So a lot happening for the rest of the day. Stick around and enjoy it. We'll be back with the call midday tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.